Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast, as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. On a special two-part podcast, Brett sits down with three-time All-Star, Reds Hall of Famer, and MLB analyst, Sean Casey. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. Today on the program, I've got a three-time All-Star and a Reds Hall of Famer. He's an analyst at MLB Network, and you also can catch him on his podcast, The Mayor's Office. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Casey. Sean, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, Booney, thanks for having me on, man. Dude, love your podcast, brother. I'm like, man, I, I, every time, Booney, I see all the guys you come on, I think this guy knows everybody in baseball. <laughs> Because I know, because I know you're reaching out to him by yourself. I'm like, dude, Booney's Rolodex of like Cooperstown people and everyone that's ever played the game is incredible. <laughs> it is too. With those, you, you know, I know you have a podcast. I mentioned it at the mayor's office. I know you got to do a lot of chumming too. Like, hey, can you come on the show next week? And someone cancels on you, and you got to get a replacement. You don't really want a replacement, so. You know what I go through. Oh, dude, I know exactly what you go through to send that text to like somebody like, uh, you know, Todd Helton or somebody. Hey, bro, any chance you come on my podcast? He doesn't get back to you. You're like, oh, I'm getting big league by a big leaguer. I'm like, oh, why am I sending all these texts? But, you know, you have to do it to get the show going. To be shameless. You got to be shameless. <laughs> that's so great. You know what? That's what in the very beginning, Sean, I started this and it was a few years ago. It was during during, uh, you know, the. COVID was kind of locking people down and yeah. And I did Digger Phelps and I had, I had Digger on and he's a character and I've known Digger for years. He's, he's, uh, um, related to the Moyer family, Karen Moyer, Karen Mm. Moyer's father. So I knew him for years, you know, when I was in Seattle, he'd come in. So Digger, you know, we go way back. And and I remember at the end of our conversation, we did a really good podcast. And at the end he said, Booney, if you're going to do it, you got to be shameless. You got to knock doors down. <laughs> he said, you don't take no as an answer. You know what I'm thinking? Well, Digger's kind of been out there and, and done it for a lot of years. But he said, you, you know what? You don't take no for an answer. If somebody doesn't get back to you, call him again. I said, but Digger, you know, I, I'm, I'm Booney. That's kind of not my personality. And, and he laughed. He goes, well, you want to you want to make it right. And and I always remember that I did. I mean, I don't hound people to, to the ends of the earth, but I, I always think about, all right, what would digger do <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny that's so great dude i love it you gotta be shameless hey that makes me feel better because i'm gonna i'm gonna i the other day i i'm uh, i won't name a name but it was you know it's a recent it's a it's a guy out there right now in the big leagues and you know it was a t- former teammate of mine and i texted him and he didn't get back to me for like a week and i go bro i go come on bro you can't big league a big league just tell me yes or no i don't care and then he, then he calls me right away bro i'm so sorry <laughs> get back to you but I'm like, you know, I always that was always my motto. You can't big like a big leaguer. I'm not like Joe Blow. You got to at least get back to me. Let me know. I'll tell you what, too. I did the same <laughs> thing. I had. A, OK, in case this is one of my one of my buddies. I mean, one of my <laughs> one of my mentors when I was getting to the big leagues. I mean, this guy took me under his wing, helped me out, gave me a car, gave me an apartment. And I call, I talked to him. And this is about a year ago. I said, oh, by the way, I need you to come on my, my show. And he, you know, he's like a slam dunk. And he right. goes, uh, he goes, absolutely not. And I said, 
what? I said, now, this is like my buddy, buddy. I could call, you know, in time of need. <laughs> and he goes, absolutely not. He said, I will not do it. I said, come on. Yeah, I thought he was kidding at first. I said, you got to do it. And he goes, absolutely not. He said, I am completely done talking about anything baseball. I'm done. Booney, I would do anything for you. I'll do anything for you except for your show. And that was it. That was the other conversation. Oh, wait, said, well, wait, he's never come on? Never. <laughs> I'm dying let, to know who it, I'm dying to know I'll, who it I'll is. I'll tell you off air, but you'll you'll you're gonna crack up. You're gonna get no way. And he's a big personality, funny, great player. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I it love was, that, dude. That funny. is so great. It was funny. So great. So great. Two things. Here's what popped out at me doing my research on on one Sean Casey. Yeah. Uh, we were teammates in, in Cincinnati. Yeah. In 1998, my rookie year. Yeah. It, you, dude, I, yeah. I remember really quick. I got to tell a quick story. So, dude, 1998, I'm, you know, I get hit in the eye first, the third day there, traded for Dave Berber, their opening day starter. I come back and I don't know anybody, but you're, I just know that you're to my right. You know what I mean? And you, you were always nice to me. And obviously your brother was there. It was kind of cool. But I remember, I remember, dude, I must say, I'd, I'd never seen somebody play second base the way you did, like the how you could pick it and turn two and get rid of it. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the this must be the big leagues. This is this is what they look like in the big leagues. So I just want to tell you, Booney, for you 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 hurt me a little bit defensively because I didn't have to go to my right much. And then when you left, Pokey Reese came in and I didn't have to go to my right again. And then when he left, other guys came in. I was like, oh, I got to start going to my right. I guess Pokey Reese and Brett Boone aren't, aren't the normal second baseman in the big leagues. They're a little bit different. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But that, yeah, that man in Cincinnati, remember that year? Uh, we had that fast turf. It was me and Lark. And, oh, and then Kate and then Lark got hurt. And Pokey yeah. was playing short. Pokey was a talented kid, man. Oh, dude. He went from a great shortstop. Then, you know, Lark came back and he had to go play second. The range he had. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you're saying now about not going yeah. to your right. Because that's the toughest part for a first baseman yeah. and a second baseman, the communication. You yeah. know, I, I played. I, I was fortunate enough. I played with some guys for, for some length, you know, for some length. So we'd kind of be on the same wavelength. But as a defender, you're at first base. Your first instinct is get the ball yeah and yeah. you know i'd be sitting there sometimes <laughs> sometimes with first baseman you know they go get the ball i i'd be like I, i'm just camped behind you and you're making you know you're making this you're making this great diving play right yeah. right you're like jeter at first base with the jump throw and i and, and, and i'd be like son come here sean <laughs> do you know that that, that i was sitting there i, I mean I, I could have been sitting on the bucket <laughs> waiting for that ground ball and, and you look at it and you're like oh but but i i also understand as a defender in the heat of the in the heat of the battle your job is hey don't let him get to first base yeah. uh, but you know it was funny when when somebody would abandon like you would go for the ball and maybe you it was out of your reach so you just peel it off now i got to hit the pitcher on the run and yeah. i always used to say that i turned to my first base when i said listen I'm a second baseman. I'm a really good one, but I ain't no quarterback. <laughs> so just if anything, if anything's hit over here, just go to the back. I got it. <laughs>
No, that's that's a funny story. I love that, dude. No, it's so true. I remember a couple of times I went for balls and I turned around and like you're like squared up to it. You could literally feel it in front of you. I'm making this tough play, throwing it into the dugout, and you're and you were like, "Hey, anything to your right, I got." And I'm like, "Really? Well, I've never experienced that in my whole life. I've never seen a second <laughs> second baseman that played that way." So, dude, it was that was a great year. That was a fun year for me, a learning experience. And uh, but to have you over there at second, dude, that was incredible. Yeah, that was a man. That was a uh, Uncle Aaron. That was Uncle yeah. Aaron's first year playing with us on that on that. Uh, yeah, and, that and dude, the other the other day we talked about it on. Um, oh, I was on. I was on an intentional talk on uh, on uh, MLB Network, and they were talking about the Roger brothers, how Taylor and Tyler Rogers are now playing. I think in Milwaukee. Uh, or the Giants, or somewhere they're playing together, and I said, "Hey, listen, listen, this story about two brothers." And I told about the last day of the year, <clears throat> I believe it was September 27, nineteen ninety eight. The only time it's ever happened, and probably will ever happen again, when Aaron was playing third, you were playing second, uh, L- Barry Larkin was playing short, and Stephen Larkin was playing first, yep. and got his first knock that day. A set of pair of brothers playing in the infield. It was incredible. What was that like for you, bro? I think Aaron got a couple knocks. I think yeah. I know he Steve, drove in three runs. Yeah, yeah Aaron I, drove in three runs. I think Steven got a knock, and I think Barry and myself went over eight. <laughs> yeah, you did. The two, the two big dogs went over eight. Oh yeah. my god! So you know, funny. it's it's weird because for me, I remember that year. It was ninety eight, and uh, you know, looking back now as an as a as a guy that's you know, played his career and now it's been retired for shoot. I've been retired for 15, 16 years now. And I always get reminded of that year, 98. Hey, you got to play with your brother. And, and I thought back and it's like, well, I really did. But when you, once again, it's one of those things you're in the heat of the battle. Of course, I, I see my younger brother coming to the big leagues. It's a cool thing. But for us, it was, listen, that's great. You're here. You know, we'll get to have lunch together. We'll 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 get to go out after the game. But get me the ball on time. You're you're not my brother. You know, when that national anthem ends, and, and I'm sure Aaron will say the same thing about me. Once that national anthem is played, now you're my third baseman. And I need right. you to get me the ball quick. And that's all I care about. Um, so that kind of year was a little bit of a wash. Like, yeah, you know, I remember some times with me and Aaron. And, you know, as you develop because your brother, you still have different, different kind of guys you hang out with. He was a little bit younger than me. He was with some of the younger players. I had, you know, my guys that I hung out with, and then we all hung out together on, on occasion. But I look back to that year and, and anything, Sean, and you can relate to this when you look back on your career and, you know, not that I have any regrets about my career. I don't, but anybody, if you take them at 50 years old and say, hey, would you do anything different? I want to I want to meet the guy that says, nope, I do it exactly the same. You know, I go, really, you didn't make any mistakes in your life. So so, you know, when asked about that all the time, I'm like, yeah, little things like that, man, I wish I would have taken uh, a little more appreciation than that type of stuff. You know, I wish I would have gone. I, I wanted to go to San Francisco. I wanted to go to the island like Alcatraz every year from my rookie year till I retired. I'm like, you know what? I want to go out to the island. And I always check 
days that we were coming in, they said, oh, the the boat goes out there at eight o'clock. And I was signed up like 10 times. I still haven't been to Alcatraz. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that because I have the same regret. I swear to God, like yeah. every year I'm like, we go play the Giants. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out to Alcatraz. And I never went, dude. I never went. Same no. thing. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go at some point now because now you're reminding me that's that's the regret I have in my mind. And, I, and a lot of stuff when we were playing, um, I had an interesting conversation with Paul Canerco on the on the show. And he said, I said, Paulie, what do you think about regrets? And he's like, you know, Brett, everybody always says, he said, yeah, I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have enjoyed Wrigley more when I went there or or when I go to Fenway just to look around and kind of smell the roses and take it in. He goes, but at the same time, I don't think I would have been as good a player. If, if I worried about all that stuff because I was grinding so hard, he made a good point. You know, as much as hell, I, I'm going to go out in the city and explore and go to Alcatraz and do all these things. We didn't do it because, all right, we got we got to face Pedro tomorrow. Right. And, and, and I'm grinding. And, and by the way, you see my swing. It sucks right now. I don't know how I'm going to survive tomorrow. But that was our, you know, that's the main thing is. And you can relate to this as a, as a hitter. It's like when you're going bad, the only thing you're thinking about, I mean, you'll, talk, your swing. To your, you'll yeah. talk to your teammates, you, you know, you'll <laughs> smile, you'll laugh, you'll make a joke. But really, when it's when you get to your room at that next destination, it's like, all right, how am I going to get a hit tomorrow? <laughs> that's all we think about. People out there listening to the Blue Podcast, yeah. that's what we think about. We put that smile on our face, do interviews. But really, all we're thinking about is how the hell am I going to get a hit tonight? And, and, and Booney, how many times do you get up in the morning, you know, you come back from the game or you're in that mirror, you're in the mirror in the bathroom or wherever the mirror is in the hotel room and you're you're loading your backside, you're pulling your hands, man, I'm going to get my load, you know. And then and then, and then, then I know for me when I was really struggling, you know, a couple of for games in a row, dude, it's, it's straight insomnia. I'm just looking at the ceiling like, Oh my gosh, like thinking about my swing, thinking about the pitches I'm swinging at or the not swinging at. It's just incredible how obsessed you become with it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> the other the other thing that I, I told you there was two things we had in common. That was we were teammates. And the other thing is, and this shot out to me because not too many people were born or lived in Willingboro, New Jersey. I lived in <laughs> Willingboro, New Jersey. Dude. That's incredible. As a two-year-old, my dad's first year in the big leagues with the Phillies, he moved me to Willingboro, New Jersey, I, up until second grade, and then we moved to the Cherry Hill area, a town called Medford. But I lived there, and when I saw Willingboro on your resume, I said, <laughs> he, me and him are the only two people that have ever lived in Willingboro. Tell no me about one knows. it. How, no how, one long, how long? Dude. How long were you there? I was just born there, really. I was oh, okay. there, and, and and I lived in a town next to Willingboro called Browns Mills. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, but I was born, like, I remember, this uh, This is so funny, but you'll, you'll get this. You know, when you first get into pro ball in your minor leagues, the to tops comes in, right? And I remember, I remember we were in... Um, we were in, we were up in Jersey. I can't remember exactly where we were, but we were, um, we're playing the Rangers and they had like a, they literally had like a, um, trailer as the clubhouse in the right field corner. So we're in the trailer and the tops guy comes in. And he's like, Hey, I'm from tops. Here's, we went, need you to sign all these contracts. And you're like, yeah, tops, I'll do whatever I can, you know, just get me a card. You know what I mean? So you're signing your thing. And I remember, I remember, um, they put, where are you born? And I'm like, man, I've lived in Pittsburgh my whole life. But I was born in Willingboro, New Jersey, and I lived there for a few years. I lived in Jersey for five years. We lived in Browns Mills for three, I think, which was right near where you were. But I just think it's so funny when I look back like that's I put it. I put down Willingboro just because 
I wanted to get a tops card made of me. And, you know, I, I was, I, I probably, if I look back, I would have put Pittsburgh, but yeah, I was there for a little bit, but the fact that you're even mentioning Willingboro, like I had, and I always had this two, a father son combo from my whole career would come wherever I was, but right before the game, so I'm like, Hey, Willingboro, Willingboro, New Jersey, you know, and I, I just thought that was incredible. So the only three people I ever know of any affiliation of Willingboro were those two people. So four people, those two people, me and you now. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Well, it's stuff like that that pops out to me. That pops out. <laughs> well, I, have the, I have the same thing. I was in. Uh, I was born, physically born in El Cajon, California. So it, I had the same thing as you. I was there. They're like I was there for like a minute. The plane stopped. My mom had me, and then we got back on the plane and and flew to New Jersey. I mean, that's that's as long as I was in El Cajon. But it's so funny. Because it's out here, it's a it's a suburb of San Diego. Yeah, yeah. and you, know, uh, you, you want you want to know a funny another funny story with the Boone family and me like randomness. I had a buddy named Mike Faruda here in Upper Saint Clair, Pennsylvania, uh, in Pittsburgh, and he moved. I want to say Faruda moved in like sixth or seventh grade. Really good basketball player. Blah blah blah. He ends up moving out to California and becomes buddies with your brother. So when I was playing, when, when Booty and I were playing together, Booty's like, hey, you know Mike Feruda? I'm like, yeah, how do you know Mike Feruda? He goes, good friend of mine growing up. I go, are you serious? And I hadn't heard Mike Feruda's name since he left Upper St. Clair in like fifth grade until your brother told me in the big leagues. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. random. So it, random. It, it, it once in a while, it, when things happen to you like that, it is funny. Like, really? <laughs> what, what, what the hell is that going on? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So you root for the Pirates as a kid. Oh, yeah. Big, big Pirate fan as a kid. You know, we moved here in 1980 and the 79 We Are Family team had just, you know, been a, you know, and I'm sure your dad had some battles with them because I don't know if he was with the Phillies. That that is the absolute for me. And I talk about probably the nauseam. People out there are probably sick of me talking about it, but that is my wheelhouse for baseball. The We We Are Family, (laughs) the the Big Red Machine. uh, Well, it was the it was We Are Family and it was the Big Bad Buckos. The Phillies were big. The Expos started to be to become a really good team and then and dad had some epic battles too with the dodgers of say and garvey yes. and lopes and dusty baker and left field uh that's the heyday of baseball for me and a lot of time i think our childhood is is some of our favorite memories and i just remember those those 70s teams and and member case back then it was the nl east the NL West, and that was it. That was either one, and you had one round of playoffs. You go to the World Series, so it was tough to get that top <laughs> That's spot. Right, and those teams were so good. They was they were so good. And there's so many good players. So we moved here in 1980, and obviously the the Buccos. You know, it was the city of champions. The Buccos, the Steelers. You know, it was it was a big time. But I remember like Stargell and 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 Dave Parker and like you know. Uh, you know, just all the all the great players, uh, Phil Gardner and, and uh, you know, all those guys. But the guys that I really rooted for, Booney, you know, because I was so young then, was the, was like the Bonds, the late '80s, Bonds, Bonilla, Van Slyke, 
uh, Jay Bell, uh, Doug Drabeck, you know, Zane Smith, Spanky Lavalier, you know, all those guys that, that, that those team, Bobby, you know, Bob, I think I said Bobby Bo, but all those guys, you know, th- that was kind of the team that I really, really, you know, grew up loving. And, and was, it's funny too. <clears throat> um, in 2006, bro, when I was with the, um, when I was with the Tigers, I got locked in right before the World Series, right? And Andy Van Slyke and Donnie Slot. So, dude, I get traded. I get traded from Pittsburgh, from the Pirates to the Tigers. And, dude, I felt like I got traded to, like, fantasy camp for, like, a little kid. Leland's my manager. Gene Lamont's the third base coach. Lloyd McClendon's the bullpen coach. Um, Don Slot's the hitting coach. Raphael Belliard and Andy Van Slyke's the first base coach. All buckos from, like, late 80s, early 90s, dude. Incredible. So... Right before the World Series, Don Slott, who was the hitting coach, and Andy Van Slyke, who was the first base coach, but he was a really, Andy really knew hitting. He, and he was still out of cannon. He was 40 something years old, but could, had a cannon. He was, and they used to do this drill with me where Andy would throw as hard as he could from BP uh, range in the cages. And it was just working on, yes, 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 I'm going until my eyes tell me no. Yes, 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 I'm going until my eyes tell me no. It must have looked like a hundred miles an hour to my eyes of how close he was and how hard he was throwing. And I remember before game three of the World Series in St. Louis, we had just gotten rained out. So Andy and I are in there together and he's throwing me BP, throwing me hard. I'm getting locked in. And dude, I swear to God, I stopped for a second. I felt like that 15-year-old kid going to games to watch those guys in the postseason, 90, 91, 92. I stopped and I, and I said to him, this is my ninth year in the big leagues too, but I stopped and I walked out to him. I go, bro, I just want to tell you, man, you were my, you were my hero growing up. And I'm like, I am, I can't believe that my life has come to this place where Andy Van Slyke is throwing me, me BP on my own before game three of the world series. I just have to tell you that. That's <laughs> incredible. Oh, but it, it's stuff like, <laughs> stuff like that's cool, you know, because yeah. I'm sure since then you've had little kids come up to you and go, yeah. Casey, Hey man, you were my favorite player. I grew up yeah. a red Reds fan. And, and it's something as players, as we get older, we take in stride, you know, when we're in the game, yeah, we try to, yeah. Be as cordial, and I know you. You're you're voted one of the nicest people of all time. I was I wasn't in that poll, but no. But you know, we all try to be as players as cordial as we can. We try to sign autographs for the kids. I think sometimes people don't realize we have jobs to do as well. But when you get away from the game, I don't know about you, but for me, I've noticed this. When people come up to you now and and usually they don't want anything big from you, they just kind of want to shake your hand and they say, hey, I remember when you were, you know, on so and so team, the Reds for me or the or the or the Seattle Mariners. And I just want to tell you, I really appreciate uh, what you did for for that team in that city. And it's it's really kind of a cool thing. It, it it humbles you. And it just thought, you know, I haven't played now for 15 years, but that guy remembered and that's pretty cool. So maybe yeah. I did a little something during my career that because as we get away, you know, that 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 game, that, that player gets farther and farther away from it. But I think that's the great part about baseball and the great part about gracefully getting a little bit older is you're allowed to. It's not that like I mentioned earlier, uh, I got to worry about my swing tomorrow. You can sit down and appreciate little things like that a guy coming up to you in a restaurant just a just a wave or a thumbs up like hey you were my favorite player something like that i think it's a really cool thing oh it's so cool and i was saying uh you know sometimes you know it happens a lot you know more often when i'm probably in cincinnati and a little bit here in pittsburgh too but you know when people come up to you and i'm with my kids you know and and oh i'm you know i'm sorry you know and i'm like dude 
I'm like, sorry, I haven't signed an autograph in six months. I, I, how many do you have? I was like, I'll sign 12, 15. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I'm just like you, Booney. As you, as you're done with the game, you appreciate it so much more. Like, cause you're not in the grind. You're not in the hustle and bustle of the, of the, of the season where your mind is just all over the place, the stress. And now you're able to really step back and just say, oh, man, it's so humbling. Thank you so much that you even recognize me. That's, you know, such, such a cool thing. And it's funny too. I'll be with my kids. They're 18 now, you know, and they were, they were born in 2004. So they were, you know, they were around for, for the, my last few years in the game, but they don't, you know, they don't have uh, real memories of those times. So someone will come up to me in an airport. I'll be with my kids and they'll recognize it. They'll, they'll look at me and they'll be like, how did he recognize you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not famous. <laughs> I said, in certain places, buddy, years ago, I was, your dad that was, was a big deal. Yeah, yeah that was like, a big deal. They'll look at me. They'll, they'll look at me like, give me that. Whatever. <laughs> That's so good, dude. That's so good. I mentioned Dusty earlier. We got uh, Dusty's coming on the program uh, shortly in, in a week or so. But it, but it kind of leads me into the, the 2022 and the storylines. Um, Dusty Baker. You know, in, in case I, I didn't see at the winter meetings, I snuck in there for a day and I went just basically to kind of see Aaron and catch up. And we ended up having some conversation. I sat down with Dusty for a while and, and we were talking probably the longest conversation I've ever had with him. And he's kind of universally that guy. Everybody loves Dusty. I don't know if you got this feeling as a player. I never played for Dusty. I never talked to him more than, hey, Dusty, how you doing? Hey, Booney, you know, take it easy on us today. Something a skipper would say right. across the way. Dusty, you know, I grew up watching those Dodgers team. Dusty and my dad were kind of the same generation, played against each other for a long time. But I don't know if it affected you this way. It felt like I knew Dusty like an like so well, like an uncle. I never played for him, never had more than a 10 second conversation with him. But something about his personality, something about his aura makes you feel like you and Dusty are buddies. I don't know if you have that. I have that. Dude. And then I sat down with him the other night and it reaffirmed it. Like I've known <laughs> this guy my whole life. We've had lengthy talks. And that was the first time I really sat down with him. Uh, he sat for about an hour and we just chatted about life. Not, you know, a little uh, yeah, bit of right. baseball, but we talk about family and stuff like that. And it reiterated that something about this guy, he's got some magic that he's, he's dusty. That's all you could say is he's dusty. He's dusty. Dude, it's incredible you say that about the winter meetings. When I walked in the win I was got to the winter meetings, I was waiting for my room, and Bake Bake walks in and, and same exact thing, Booney. He's like, Hey, what's up, Case? Like, oh Bake, what's up, man? Congratulations. So excited for you, you know, to win the World Series. Like, oh, so incredible. But dude, that's my story too. My story with Bake is I never played for him, but I played against him a lot, especially in the NL Central when he was with the Cubs. Um, you know, and I was with and I was with the Reds. And I remember him come up to me one day. It, it was such a I first met him in 1997 in the Arizona Fall League. Um Gary Matthews was our, the Sarge was our, uh, was our hitting coach. What a great dude. And him and Baker, like best of buddies. So Bake came over one day, um, to, to, you know, say hi to our team. And, you know, we were all excited to meet him. What a nice guy. But as the years went on, he came up to me one time, Booney, uh, when he was with the Cubs and he said, you know, I, I think he, I think he had, <clears throat> he appreciated the way I played the game. You know, I obviously wasn't the flashiest guys. I didn't run that great, but I played hard. And he was like, Hey, man, he's like, you love this game, don't you? 
you love this game. And I go, I love it, Bake. I go, I, I love it, man. He goes, I can tell. And it was like, all of a sudden, that was like our relationship kind of went to a different level. So every time I'd go on deck, especially when uh, he was with Chicago, I'd go on deck. I'd look over Booney for my first at bat. <clears throat> He'd always tip his cap to me. He'd be in the Cubs dugout, but he would tip his cap to me. I'd tip my cap back to him. And I just remember thinking, what a class guy. Like, oh my gosh, like just a treats everybody so well, such a good human being, was a great player. It was been such a great manager. That's why I was so glad that he won. Cause I, and I think that solidifies him now in Cooperstown. You know, I didn't think it, it really, he needed it, but you know, that's what everybody's saying. He can't win the big one, but you know, he's just one of my fate. I think he's one of the best characters and, and personalities in the 150 plus years of major league baseball, this game's ever seen. He is. He's, he's, he was a great player. Yeah. Uh, then he was a co- you know he was a coach on those on those uh, Giants teams uh, for years before you know he went through that '89 and, and the Bay Bridge series when it collapsed he was a coach on that team wow, then he I didn't took know that. Then, yeah then he took over in '93 and uh, kind of the rest is history he's kind of been a manager in the big leagues I mean you look at him he's been in the big leagues for like 55 years. <laughs> It's unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. The stories that he had. And they also say that he was the originator of the high five, right? Wasn't he one of that's the original right. guys? That's right. <laughs> I heard that too. That's so great. So some of the stories I want to go over you, uh, you with about in 2022, Judge Otani. Uh, interesting. I want to get your take on Tatis. Um, but the winter meetings, what do you think about with the, uh, with the Mets and the Yankees, especially the Mets? Yankees, uh, you know, Judge, uh, that was interesting to me. But Case, I was sitting there the whole time. <laughs> I was your brother. Shit oh, his I was with Aaron the <laughs> night before he signed. And that was the, the the day I went to the winter meetings. I'm sitting there with Aaron and, and, and I could tell he's a little off, you know, and I'm like, what are you worried about? He's like, well, I, I don't know what Judge is going to do. And this is when Judge is kind of parading around. He's going to San Francisco. I said, first thing I said to him is this. I said, you know how hard it is right handed to hit a ball out of right center? at that uh, giant stadium. (laughs) And I said, I don't care if you're Aaron judge, it's still really hard. I said, and another thing I'm going to say, I said, do you know, have you heard of this guy, Derek Jeter? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, how did his, how did his, you know, career work out? I said, this is one thing I know to be a captain, the New York Yankees for an entire career and have a wonderful career though. You don't give that up. So anything that Aaron's doing right now, he's playing you like a fiddle. He's got you nervous. I said, but I said, this guy's doing an awesome job, but he ain't going anywhere, buddy. I said, Aaron judge will sign with the New York Yankees. And if he doesn't the next, if I see Aaron judge, I'm going to, I'm going to look at him and say, are you cuckoo? Because you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, being the captain of the Yankees and, and be able to play your whole career there and, and the way he handled himself this year through that, you know, he hit the 62 home runs, but he just handles himself just very well. You know, he kind of is Jeter S Jeter kind of, kind of taught us, uh, PR 101, how, how, how you behave and how you ask, act as the New York Yankee captain. I think judges kind of did the same thing this year. There's, there's not a chink in his armor. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. Players respect him. Players love him. Fans respect him. Fans love him. And I was just thinking the whole time, you know, I, I said goodbye to Aaron and I got my car. I said, well, I hope I'm right. 
<laughs> and the next and the next day he so signed. does he yeah, yeah. the next day he signed but your thoughts on that judge situation oh Mets Cohen what everything yeah. going on spending crazy money he's gonna get uh, you know I'm, I'm not kind of a hundred percent versed on the new rules on, but I know he's way over that salary gap. <laughs> oh, well, there's going to be a yeah. price to pay. <laughs> well, it's called the Stevie Cohen tax from the owners. Now like, Oh man, you get over a certain threshold. They figured no one would get there, but Cohen, but back to judge, man, like Booney, I, I agree with you, man. And I think one of the things as a player and, and you can appreciate this obviously, cause you were such a great player is that, you know, when you look at greatness, like Aaron judge, when you're chasing 62 home runs and you have the spotlight of the whole world watching you and you're with the Yankees and you're the, you know, you're, you're, you're the focal point of, of major league baseball and you still produce that to me said everything about who he is. That to me, he said everything about who he is mentally, that he's able to slow the game down, that he has a great process at the plate, that he's able to really settle into every pitch and not waste pitches, you know, to put up the numbers that he did. That impressed me the most. That, that impressed me the most. So when I saw the nine years, 360 million, I said, yeah, that's the kind of guy you give it to because he's not going to get rattled. He's already proven that he's, you know, been in the pressure cooker and he can deal with it. No. So I think that's the biggest thing. And kudos to how Stein because usually in baseball when you see guys that are superstar players like that get to free agency they rarely sign back with their teams very rarely you know what i mean and we, we we've also seen that in other you know places too like bogart's leaving red Sox and a lot of different harper and all these guys but you know when i look at hal steinbrenner i thought that was great because i know booney Booney was on my podcast a couple weeks ago and he was talking about he had a conversation with judge and he told judge hey listen man let Hal have the last word. Before you sign anywhere, make sure you call Hal Steinbrenner to make sure that he he gets one more say. And I, I, that's what I say. Like, good for Hal Steinbrenner for recognizing the greatness of Aaron Judge, that how good he is on the field, off the field. You have a once-in-a-generational player that can actually be the captain for the Yankees, the Don Mattingly's, the Ron Guidry's, the Derek Jeter's, you know, some of these big-time guys that have worn that C. So I'm just – I was so excited for your brother, but I was excited too. I, I felt the same way you did, Booney. Like, man – Go back to go back to the Yankees. Stay there. Leave a legacy. Be in Monument Park. You know, make your mark. You, you and you have that short right field porch where your swing is tailor made to go there because you pop balls up and it goes out. Hit 40, 50 home runs every year and be one of the greatest Yankees to ever play the game. So I'm really excited. Judge is back. I think they they handled that right. The Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner coming in and getting that done. Now going to the other the going to the new George Steinbrenner of of the 2020s and Stevie Cohen because I think that's kind of how we're all looking at it like oh my god this is george steinbrenner reincarnated uh you know how the owners felt towards george when he would just say listen i'm trying to put the best team on the field and win ball games you know stevie cohen letting you know degrom obviously walked i like i'd like to hear your take on that but degrom walking to texas they bring in verlander to a nice little deal they they signed senga from from uh japan who's got nasty stuff i mean he's like almost 100 miles an hour with a nasty split he's got great stuff they brought in quintana too um you know i and then they then they then they signed nimmo back and then they bring in correa now that correa deal it's going to be interesting to see what happens obviously he didn't sign in with the, with the um giants because they saw something in his right ankle or uh, something that he had a surgery on 2014 above his ankle and his leg um and it looks like that's a that's a sticking point right now with, with the mets too it sounds like 
you know, they're kind of holding off to take a look to see what happens there. But I'm sure something will get done with the Mets. Um, hey, man, at the end of the day, I know the owners aren't happy about it because they don't like to see, you know, guys going over the cap or, you know, over the luxury tax or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, Stevie Cohen uh, came in because he wants to win. And if you're a Mets fan, you're fired up that he's your owner. Yeah, he's I'll tell you what, he's making moves in the Korea thing. <clears throat> the thing I worry about for Korea is okay you got nixed in in san francisco and and you know people people there's on both sides of ledger oh no they got cold feet they just didn't want to pay that much in the end so they looked at something on that mri and said no well swiftly the mets sign him and you think it's all said and done and all of a sudden that same thing comes up on the mri it wasn't the it wasn't the giants getting cold feet there was actually something there and i was trying to put myself in his shoes for a minute going wait a minute I got two $300 million deals that are going to get squashed as a player. You know, what, what do you do? It's like you, you sign a one-year deal and prove that the legs. Okay. Uh, It's going to be really interesting how that pans out. Uh, You mentioned that the starting rotation with the Mets, you know, I look at Verlander and Scherzer, uh, two hall of famers, two still of the best in the game but still two guys that are right about 40 years old. You know, when you think of a uh, in our day, a Randy Johnson and a Schilling combo that was lethal. They ended up winning the 2001 World Series with it. It sounds like the perfect world for that Verlander Scherzer combo. But to to. to and it's 162 games and these guys are both almost 40 years old. Can they both stay healthy through if they do stay healthy and pitch the way they pitch throughout their career? And, and like you said, Adding this Senga guy, I mean, yeah. that it's like lights out, especially with the lineup they have to back it. You know, it's pro- arguably the best lineup in the game right now as it sits with Correa on that team. You know, there could be an argument made for the San Diego Padres. They might be a little bit better. But I look at that rotation. That, it's pretty awesome. But I do, I, I fear a little bit the age. Talking about DeGrom, I don't know, Casey. I, I, I don't yeah. know if, if you've gotten close to him or not. Obviously, DeGrom, when he's on pitching right, is pretty much as good as we've ever seen in the game. When he's yeah. on, I, show me somebody that's ever been more efficient with his pitches and nastier with his pitches than, than DeGrom in the history of the game. I don't know that I've yeah. seen that. I even looked at it at the beginning of this year, and I said, if DeGrom's on, he's even a touch better than the best. Right, uh, right. And, and the fact right. that he walked, I don't know what went on there. I think Buck came in and for the most part, I think Showalter uh, was a hit in that clubhouse. I think he did a really good job. I think the players really liked him. Bus, you know, it, it cracks me up when they bring these these uh, these managers of Bruce Bro. Oh, is he going to be, you know, the Tony La Russa? Well, he's not going to manage like the like the 1989 Oakland A's. Buck's not going <laughs> to not going to manage like, you know, Buck's a smart guy. He's a real good baseball guy. But he also realizes that he's got to adjust as time moves on in the game and adjust with the game. I think Buck right. did a great job. I don't know what the DeGrom thing is. Is it just some guys don't want that spotlight in New York, in the Big Apple, all that pressure? And Texas seemed a little nicer. I, I have no idea. It's it's really interesting to me how it, he didn't even try to stay in New York, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are you are you concerned? Were you concerned with like like when I look at DeGrom, I just think like 
hey, he's 34, 33, 34. That's a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. It just seems like he continuously in the last four or five years, like, oh, DeGrom's on the IL again. You know, he just, and missing considerable time. So I think I think if you're looking at it, you're like, okay, why don't we give Verlander and Senga shorter-term deals and, and then let DeGrom you know, maybe just walk because, because you're right though, Booney, when he's right, there's nobody better than him. He's, no. he's, a, he's above the best pitcher in the game. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, listen, I guess, I guess Chris Young and those guys out in Texas, you know, talking to Chris at the, at the winter meetings, you know, he's saying hey, at the end of the day, you know, we, we, we're, we're going after the, what we think is the best player, the best player uh, pitcher out there right now when he's healthy. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, Texas starting to to make a little noise over there. They got their their uh, their Seager and Simeon last year up the middle. They gave those big contracts to this year. They added Degrom uh, because you know in that division, Mariners are getting a lot better. Um, who knows how the Angels are going to be? Obviously, the Astros have been the class of that division now for years. But uh, you see Texas stepping up a little bit. Uh, wanted to move over to the to the NL West Dodgers. For the first time, Case, they're not adding on in the offseason. You know, it seems they, they lost both the Turners. They're going to let Bellinger try to try to kind of reinvent his career. Uh, they're retooling a little bit. Uh, what do you think about the Dodgers and, and how they're kind of standing pat this offseason? Yeah, I thought I thought for sure. I thought first off, I thought they would take a a little bit of a run at Turner, Trey Turner, but then you know, he ends up going to Philly. When they didn't get Turner or Bogarts you know, or one of those shortstops, I thought for sure they were going to go get Dansby Swanson. I just felt like that looked like a great fit. He's a veteran guy. He's, he's trending upwards. He's really good defensively, you know, starting to hit for some power. I just thought, he, and he's a great clubhouse guy, which is right up Andrew Friedman's, you know, um, wheelhouse. Um, but the fact that they didn't sign him, and it looks like they're going to go with Gavin Lux at short, um, yeah, I'm interested, interesting, Booney. Uh, this is, uh, but I, one thing I, I know about Andrew Friedman in that front office, they always are a couple, I feel like they're always a couple steps ahead of everybody else. So they're doing something here, whether they're, whether they're, um, scaling back for the first time in a while and just, you know, waiting to see what they have, uh, maybe some of their young prospects too. Uh, but yeah, they're, you're right, man. This is a, definitely a different play for the Dodgers. And, you know, we'll see how it turns out because the, 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 the um, Padres, with getting Bogarts in that lineup, you know, with getting Tatis back at some point, Soto, Machado. I mean, now the Cronenworth, they, they, they got some depth in that lineup. And it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how the West pans out this year with the Dodgers not not really adding on. You think Tatis is going to play left field? Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think I think they just said, hey, listen, we're going to make that decision for you. We're going to bring in Bogarts. He's going to play short and he's going to and Tatis will be your left fielder. See, I just, I, I don't know. Living in San Diego, I, I have a little more up close, up, up close look at Tatis, and it, it takes a lot, Sean, to to kind of open my eyes and make me. I'm, I'm especially when guys are young players. I say, listen, let me watch him do it for a couple of years, and then I'll make my decision. This Tatis guy, a couple of years ago, before you know everything went down, I'd watch him, and and I hesitate to say, I, I, I don't want to say a Rod because a Rod's one of the greatest of all time. So uh, that's, that's tough for me to say, but the more I watched him and then, you know, he's got his antics, but he's kind of a rock star, you know, with the hair and the whole thing. 
But then I started watching him play, and I'm like, he kind of is like A-Rod. You know, the guy's only 21 years old. And then, of course, what what went on right here, and they're, they're probably not very happy with him now. He's another one of those contracts, over $300 million. Right. And I just wonder when a, when a talent like that comes back. And now I, I think he needs to come to his teammates in spring training with hat in hand and basically right. say, listen, I'm sorry. Because we know, Case, what's the most important thing? Those 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 teammates in that clubhouse. That's exactly. what truly matters. You want that as long as as you make amends with them, you're right with your teammates. Everything else will work itself out. Now it's just going out and playing the game and, and playing well to help your team win. But I'm interested when they just say, oh, yeah, Tati's going to play left like he's a 22 year old mega superstar talent wise. Does he just roll into camp and accept, oh, okay, I'll just go to left field when I'm really a shortstop? I don't know. That that's I don't think it's as easy as yeah, I think that's the plan. I think at the beginning he's gonna play the outfield. But I'll tell you what, if he's Tatis of two years ago and he comes out raking like that and he wants to play short, I <laughs> yeah. think there could be some grumblings over in San Diego. Yeah. You know, I play for Bo Mel. Bo Mel's a great guy. He'll yeah. handle it however he handles it. But uh, I, I, I don't think he's just going to quietly play left field and be happy. <laughs> I think you're, you're, pro- you're probably right. What, what do you think, though, too, about health-wise? Like, you played up the middle. You know, you've played some short and some second. Like, do you think he's better off, though, and left as far as, like, at the end of the day, you need his bat in the lineup. I know he's good at short and all that stuff. But, like, you got to have Tatis for 145 to 155 a year, if you're, and, and, and you'll see big numbers. I almost feel like him being out in left field – keeps him in the lineup. Am, am I wrong by saying that? I think you're right. But I think that you're assuming that this kid is thinking uh, long-term. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example. When Alex Rodriguez went to the, to the New York Yankees, he was a great shortstop. I looked at Alex. I was, you know, he was in my division in uh, Texas at that time. And I would look at Alex. I said, that's the best defensive shortstop in the league right now. Oh, wow. He was. Wow. He went to wow. the Yankees. And next thing you know, he's playing third base. He wasn't playing third base because he wasn't the best shortstop. He was playing third base because Alex knew long term, he was going to be able to be more offensive making the the making the move to third. Because short, it is so hard, the wear and tear in your body, the mileage you put on your legs, the cutting and the jiving. That's right. the shortest. That's the shortest career path. Now, guys like Derek Jeter, he played until he was almost 40. That's the exception, not the rule. Um, so, yes, if, if you if you take if you take your ego aside, take the fact that you're 22 aside and you <laughs> and you just make a rational. What's the best thing for me, for my health, for my shoulder? That's been a problem shoulder for him. Yes. The mature decision is let's go play left field. But I don't know about you. When I was 22 years old, I didn't really like the mature thing, <laughs> the smart thing. I thought, no, I'm 22. This shoulder will get better. I want to be a great shortstop in the mix and and go from there. So, yes, I think rational minds say, yes, of course, go to left field. If he was a 34-year-old aging star, he would say, you're right. That's probably the smart thing for me to do. But at 22, uh, once he gets his foot back in the door, and as long as everything's great, the bottom line is what? You play good. You play right. good. We're, we're a pretty forgiving society, and everything that's gone down with them from the motorcycle accident to coming back and, and really, I think, not being 100% truthful with his teammates, that's what pisses teammates off. Not 
things that people do. But but just be square with me. Be honest right, with right. me. Be as honest, long as yeah. you right. But if he comes back, make amends with his teammates, it's all good. And then starts playing like the superstar that he is. I just think there's going to be. Nah, I'm not really happy playing left field. I'm 22, man. I just you're don't prob- do that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, you're probably right, bro. You're probably right. I can see that happening. But thank, thank goodness, like you said, Bo Mel is their, is their uh, manager because you know he's. I'm sure he's been down that road before. All right, I got a couple more, and then we're gonna get on to some some Sean Casey stuff. But uh, what'd you think about Bauer being reinstated? I thought it was interesting. I mean, yeah. we're we're a nation of laws, and and Everything was thrown out, I think, in that case. And uh, I don't know a lot. of You know, you hear things from behind the scenes that he was set up. It's this and that. But he wasn't guilty anyway. And and I just think, you know, if this was a setup or or was there was some foul play, I just look at it and go, man, you kind of ruined a guy's career. Life. Yeah. His life, you know, for something that, you know, behind closed door. I don't know. I thought the reinstatement getting a second chance, the fact that he has been or or not implicated. I'm sorry. The exact opposite. He's been not charged with anything. Nothing. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. He's on the market. The the, the broader question is, do you think teams are going to are going to come at him? Yeah. Well, you know, you're right, Booney, because there's always two sides to every story. And obviously, Um, you know, I, I just, I, this is a tough one because, you know, it, it, anything that's domestic violence related out there, you know I mean? I I always think of Ray Rice back in the NFL, like Ray Rice's career ended, you know, not that he couldn't, wasn't still one of the best running backs in the league, but you know, you saw the video of him hitting his wife at the time or fiance and knocking her out and then dragging her out of the elevator. He never played in the NFL again. So I wonder, you know, and 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 I'm also too, like this, we live in the best country in the world. Like, you know, it's a, and you're right. We're a forgiving society and people do make mistakes. Um, but like I said, there is two sides to every story. I, I hope Trevor Bauer gets another shot. I hope a team does take a flyer on him. At the end of the day, if you do, you're getting one of the best pitchers in the probably best arms in the game. A guy that, you know, is, 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 you know, loves pitching is big on his craft. So I, I hope he gets another shot. I really do. You know, I obviously don't know the whole story. I'm, you know, I'm not, I can't speak on that so much, but I hope he gets another shot to get back in the game. And, you know, he served a hundred, whatever, 94 game suspension and has did his time and hope he gets a shot to get back out there again. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see that because it's just, you know, uh, they've dropped everything. So I I think he should be able to get his livelihood back. You know, you only get to play this game for a short time. The Boone Podcast continues with our two-part special with three-time All-Star, Reds Hall of Famer, and MLB analyst, Sean Casey. Check back next week for part two.